0: Hello, folks. Welcome to Notoriously Episcopalian, a podcast of sermons from me, Kelly Hudlow, an itinerant Episcopal priest in Alabama. Thanks for listening. This is a sermon for the last Sunday after the Epiphany, February 27, 2022, offered at the Church of the Messiah in Heflin, Alabama. The principal text of the sermon is Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 43a, the Transfiguration of Jesus. May I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We are coming to the end of a cycle in the church year of a church season um, that we began right after Christmas with the celebration of the Feast of the Epiphany. And this season is sometimes called Ordinary Time. We're often wearing green stoles unless there's a, a special occasion And throughout this part of ordinary time or the season after the Feast of the Epiphany, our gospel readings are pointing us to different ways that we're supposed to understand who Jesus is. Now, we start this sort of weird in-between season between sort of Christmas and Epiphany and Lent and Easter the same way each year. We maybe hear it from a different gospel, but we start and end with the same stories each year. So we begin the season with the baptism of Jesus. And so this year we heard the story of the baptism of Jesus from the Gospel of Luke and then we end this in-between time with the story of the Transfiguration, which is what we heard this morning from the Gospel of Luke. And so both of these readings, the baptism and the Transfiguration, and the stories that come between of miracles and teachings, all invite us as Christians to ask the question, what are we learning about Jesus in these readings? And also, What do we learn about ourselves? Now, for many of the stories, the baptism of Jesus, right? That sort of makes sense. We get baptism. We're about to do baptisms. And when Jesus is teaching, we sort of understand that him as a teacher. And we can often even understand Jesus as a miracle worker or a healer. But man, when it comes to the transfiguration, it is just a weird story, right? This is beyond our usual experience of the world. Um, that Jesus is somehow transformed in this way. But the story is a very important one, and it's important who is there, right? So we have Jesus, and he takes with him Peter, who has said that Jesus is the Messiah, and James and John, who are going to become very important early apostles in the church, and he takes them away from the crowds. He's been teaching, they've been traveling, but he goes up a mountain, taking them away from the crowds to do something very specific, and that is to pray. He brings the leaders of this early community to get away with him to simply engage in a time of prayer. And it's in that moment when the disciples while they are fighting falling asleep because after all it is peter james and john right sleep is going to be something that's going to be a problem for them further into the story but even though they are resisting falling asleep they stay there in prayer with jesus and then that's when they have this amazing experience of seeing jesus in this different way the transfiguration in Luke mirrors the baptism in Luke. If you remember from when we were reading the baptism story, the voice of God that Jesus hears doesn't happen when John the Baptist is pouring water over Jesus' head. It happens when Jesus is praying afterwards. And so a life of prayer for Jesus and his disciples is a way that we can encounter God in a different sort of way. And when the disciples join Jesus in prayer, away from the crowd, on the mountain, they are given a glimpse of Jesus in his glory. Now, this is different than what happens with Moses, right? We had the reading from uh, the first reading where Moses is coming down from Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments and his face is glowing and everybody's like, that's really weird. And Moses is going to go on to wear a veil over his face until that glowing begins to sort of fade, right? Moses is glowing, is shining because he has experienced sort of just a little bit of the glory of God. Jesus is transfigured because he's not reflecting God's glory. He is God's glory. And so when the disciples see this, they are terrified, as you might imagine. But they keep praying and keep looking. And then two more people show up, which are really important to the story, to understanding what's going on. Because in that moment, they then see that Jesus is standing there with Moses And Elijah Moses the great lawgiver right we hear him bringing down the tablets Elijah is the great prophet of the people of Israel the return of Elijah signals the coming of the fullness of the kingdom of God and so there is Jesus in his glory the glory of God with the great liberator and the great prophet of the Hebrew people and unlike any of the other Gospels Luke lets us lean in and hear what they're talking about. Now, our translation makes it a little mundane, right? Jesus' departure, like he's going to get on a, on a Greyhound bus and leave Jerusalem. The word that we're translating is Jesus' exodus, his exodus from Jerusalem his trial and tribulation and crucifixion and death and resurrection, his exodus, which is our exodus, which is just as God saved the people of Israel from Egypt and led them out into the wilderness to the promised land and what we call the exodus, this is our exodus through the death of Jesus Christ into a world where we are set free from sin and death. So, James and John... And Peter are there seeing this wonderful moment. After all of the questions that Jesus has asked them, that people have asked Jesus, now suddenly there is no more room for doubt. Jesus is God, the fulfillment of law and prophets, and the experience is so wonderful that Peter's first answer is, we need to put up some tents and stay here on this mountain and never leave this wonderful moment. But that's not what they're called to do. Because it's in that moment that the cloud descends and that they hear the voice of God saying, this is my son, my chosen, listen to him. And then the cloud lifts and then Moses and Elijah are gone and then Jesus, their rabbi, their teacher, and their God is standing in front of them the way that they had seen him before And they know that staying on the mountain is not an option. It's easy for us Christians to connect our baptism to Jesus' own baptism, right? We understand that it's through baptism that we're made the children of God. It is through our baptism that we hear those words that God spoke to Jesus at his baptism, calling him beloved. And we claim that belovedness for ourselves. But our baptism also connects us to Jesus' transfiguration, Right. It is through this glimpse of Jesus in his glory that we see what the Christian hope is. Like we see the reason why we baptize and live this life, because our hope is that we are going to be raised in the same glory that the disciples saw Jesus on that mountain, that we will be fully reconciled to the God that created us and the God that saves us, that we will stand there in the glory of Jesus, not as a reflected glow like Moses, but fully reconciled reconciled and forgiven and beloved. The transfiguration is the reason why we baptize. It is the Christian hope, but just like the disciples get that glimpse and know that they have to come back down to the mountain, they have to leave that thin place, we know that the transfiguration also is to be for us fuel and food for the work that we're called to do. The Transfiguration teaches us that one of the purposes of this Christian community is to come together week by week to say our prayers, to seek thin places where we can point to each other, where God is at work in the world and in our lives. But as the church, we are never called to only stay here, right? We are always called to take what happens here to strengthen us and support us to go out into the world to continue the work that Christians have been doing since Jesus walked the earth, which is resisting evil and bringing healing to the world. So today we are going to welcome new members into the body of Christ. Now, when we do this, some of them will make promises for themselves. Some of them we are going to make promises on behalf of them. All of us are going to say and remember our baptismal promises in the covenant that, we, that was said when we were baptized and we together as a community are promising to continue in the work of renouncing the forces of evil to seek justice to respect the dignity of every person we are continuing in our commitment to come and say prayers together and to meet jesus and bread and wine so that we can go out into the world and be agents of healing in the world we're going to say prayers over water that remind us of that first exodus out of egypt and out of the exodus that Jesus leads us through out of a life of sin and oppression to one that is of freedom and love and liberation. Baptism, for us who have been baptized that are here, and for those that will be baptized today, is not the end of the story. It's barely even the first chapter. It's maybe just the first sentence, but it's important because it is in baptism that we truly understand that our identity as a beloved child of God and that we are marked as Christ's own forever. And it is in baptism that we receive our mission to continue as the body of Christ and to seek and serve Christ in all persons. And it is in baptism that we receive the promise that the glory of God revealed to us in the transfiguration is the glory of God that we will one day experience. Baptism tells us a lot about who we are and with the fact that we baptize, that right now in a world that is sort of crazy and doesn't make sense, right? In a world of division and violence and wars and rumors of war, we are here today to make the audacious, hopeful step to baptize new Christians to say that we really believe we can change the world, right? We are also saying what we believe and know to be true about God. Jesus saves, and God is faithful. And no matter how imperfect we may be as a church or a community, we are called ever deeper into a life together, committed to changing the world. And with that in mind, I invite those that are going to be baptist, baptized, and those that are going to be presented for baptism, to please come forward.